Welcome to the Northwood Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Tommy Metter, lead pastor of Northwood Baptist Church in North Charleston, South Carolina. And today, I know exactly what you need. You need hope and encouragement. And it is my prayer that the message you are about to hear helps you find hope and encouragement in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Hey, if you'd like to learn more about our church, visit our website, northwoodbaptist.com, or follow us on Facebook. Now, get ready for a message that will help you connect faith to life. Okay. Ready? Welcome to the Northwood Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Tommy Metter, lead pastor of Northwood Baptist Church in North Charleston, South Carolina. Hey, if you're listening today, I know exactly what you need. You need hope and encouragement. And my prayer is that the message you are about to hear will help you find hope and encouragement in a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you'd like to learn more about our church, visit our website, northwoodbaptist.com, or follow us on Facebook. Now, get ready for a message that will help you connect faith to life. Open for the last time to the book of Genesis. We're in Genesis chapter 50 this morning. We have made it, right? Uh, one person is clapping. I don't know if that's a good clap or bad clap, but we're, we're there. So we're at the end, Genesis chapter 50. Uh, we're going to read together in just a moment, verses 15 through 21. So find Genesis chapter 50 with me. First book in the Bible, very last chapter, Genesis chapter 50, verses 15 through 21. And I do hope that over this past year, this has been helpful for you. It's been helpful for me. And man, we've, we have uh, just learned some wonderful truths about God and his faithfulness to his people. In fact, next week, we're starting the book of Ephesians together, which obviously was written a really long time after uh, Genesis in the New Testament. And it's amazing to me as I've been studying Ephesians how many of the themes that we see in Genesis are picked up by Paul in Ephesians. It's really neat. And so this book really is foundational. I hope that this study of Genesis has been foundational for you as you've been considering the greatness of our God and his love for you. So Genesis chapter 50, verses 15 through 21. We'll read that together in just a moment. If you don't own a Bible, that's okay because in the seat before you, you should find a copy of the Bible. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, pick that copy up and find Genesis chapter 50 with us verses 15 through 21 Genesis 50 verses 15 through 21 so I don't know how your 2022 is going thus far maybe back in in January you set some goals some New Year's resolutions and all those kinds of things and and maybe you already forgot those things or maybe you're still plugging along trying to meet those goals I don't know but I know back in in 2021 uh, there was a man in Idaho his name was David Rush he had a, a pretty lofty ambition, a pretty sizable goal. He had been reading for some time and studying the Guinness Book of World Records. And so in 2021, he made it his goal. Now, now check this out. He made it his goal, right, to break a Guinness World Record every week of the year. Yeah, I mean, who can't do that? And so, so, so 52 weeks, 52 goals. Now, I, I'm sad to say to you that uh, he did not meet his goal. He, he tried, uh, he only broke 43 records in 2021, which is still a pretty sizable feat, right? It's a big book, lots of, lots of world records. And so I, I brought, uh, wrote down some of the records he broke, which I thought were fun. I didn't write down all 43 because that'd take me a long time to read. But here, here are a few of the records he broke in 2021. He holds the Guinness Book of World Records record for uh, the fastest time to wrap a person with wrapping paper because that's something we all do all the time, and yeah. Um, he, he, is the, the, he holds the world record for, for running the 100-meter race, the fastest blindfolded. 
You need to go home and try that this afternoon, see how it works out for you, right? Um, he, he holds the world record for most consecutive axe juggling catches, which I would say if you're going to juggle axes, you better know how to catch it. And so he does, and he did. He holds the world record for the most marshmallows caught um, in the mouth in one minute or less. Um, he probably was in a good student ministry and learned that in student ministry somewhere. Um, he, he holds the world record for putting the most thumbtacks in a cork board in under one minute. And there's a bunch of others he holds as well. So he's a pretty accomplished man. So I'll tell you that to, to tell you this. Here you have this man over the course of 2021. He learned a book really well. The Guinness Book of World Records. That was the book he gained an understanding of. And not only in 2021 did he know the Guinness Book of World Records well, he lived it. You see what I'm saying? He knew the book. And that book, in a lot of ways, in 2021, it changed his life. It gave him some goals, something to live for. And, and I tell you that, you know where I'm going with this. Here we are in Genesis, and I want you to know this book. I want you to know every book of the Bible. I want you to know the Word of God. But I don't only want you to know it. I want you to live it. And I, I don't want us to walk away from Genesis this morning after spending a year in it and say, man, that was really cool. We learned some amazing stuff. It was really cool back in Genesis chapter 15 when God did this or when we looked at Noah's story when God did this. Those are really cool facts about God. The Bible is a book of facts, if you will, about God. It gives us a knowledge of God, but God gives us a knowledge of himself so we might be transformed and actually live out what he tells us to live out in his word. And so I want us to be a people who know the word and live the word. And that's really significant when we come to the end of the book of Genesis and we're in this final chapter, because in this final chapter, we're going to touch on a subject that's difficult for us to live out. The subject of forgiveness. We talk a lot about forgiveness. You've even said the words probably over the course of your life, probably a lot. I forgive you. But isn't it true that forgiveness is something we all have a hard time with? And here's what I know, and I know you don't have to tell me this because I don't want to hear all your stories. It'll take me all day long to hear all your stories, but here's what I know about you because I know, I know it about me. There are many of us in this room who over the years we've been hurt, and some of us have been hurt pretty bad. And there are probably some of us in this room that we've never been able to move past the hurt. We've refused to forgive, and for years now we've held on to bitterness and anger and, and, and for some of us, there, there's somebody that you know that you refuse to talk to because years ago they did something to you and you just can't let it go. Forgiveness is hard. But I want to share with you this morning, man, when you forgive, when you give the gift of forgiveness to someone else, you look a lot like your Savior Jesus. And I, and I can't think of, of many other things that are, are, are quite as Christ-like as the ability to forgive others when they have wronged you. And so, so as we look at this final chapter in Genesis, I, I really want to just spend time this morning answering two questions. One, why should we forgive people who've hurt us? Now, I think we're going to see that very clearly from the text, why, why we should forgive people who hurt us. The second question is just real practical. How? How do we forgive people who've hurt us? So why do we do it? Or why should we forgive people who hurt us? And the second question, how do we do it? 
So let's answer those two questions this morning. Take your Bibles, Genesis chapter 50, verses 15 through 21. If you have that passage, go ahead and rise to your feet as we honor the reading of God's word together. Genesis chapter 50, beginning in verse 15. This is what the Bible says. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said to one another, if Joseph is holding a grudge against us, he will certainly repay us for all the suffering we caused him. So they sent this message to Joseph. Before he died, your father gave a command. Say this to Joseph, please forgive your brother's transgressions and their sin, the suffering they caused you. Therefore, please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when their message came to him. His brothers also came to him, bowed down before him and said, we are your slaves. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You planned evil against me. God planned it for good to bring about the present result, the survival of many people. Therefore, don't be afraid. I will take care of you and your children and be comfort. And and he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Let's pray together. Father, thank you again for this morning, for time to worship together, the time to, to reflect on your greatness and goodness to us, for time to hear your word together and so father now as we submit ourselves to your word we're trusting that you're going to speak to us and father i know all across this room uh, there are many of us that struggle with forgiveness because in this room there's real pain there's real hurt we've been done wrong and the truth is we've done wrong to other people too so father i pray that you would teach us to forgive And Father, I pray that as we hear your voice this morning, you would help us to be a people that want to respond to your voice in obedience. We love you, Lord. And we thank you for this time we have together to hear your voice in Jesus' name. Amen. You can have a seat. So you remember chapter 49. And in Genesis chapter 49, Jacob, the patriarch, the father of 12 sons, he speaks over his sons. And he speaks words of prophecy. And, and you think about what's taking place in Genesis chapter 49. I mean, the nation of Israel, it is being started as Jacob speaks over his sons. And after he speaks over his sons, it's time. It's time for Jacob to die. Let me show you. Come down in, in chapter 49 and look with me, if you will, for just a moment at, at um, the end of 49. Look at verse 29. Then Jacob commanded them, I am about to be gathered to my people. Bury me with my ancestors in the cave in the field of Ethron, the Hethite, the cave in the field of Machpelah near Mamre in the land of Canaan. This is the field Abraham purchased from Ephron, the Hethite, as burial property. Now, you remember, don't you? Uh, that, that way back in Genesis chapter 23, I don't know if you remember that or not, but way back in Genesis chapter 23, Abraham bought a piece of land in Canaan. The first piece of land that he would take ownership of, it was, a, it, was a, it was a cave for him to bury his wife in. And now Jacob, as he's breathing his last breath, more than anything else in his death, what he wants is he wants his body to be taken back to that cave, to be buried in the same cave that his grandfather and his grandmother were buried. That, that family cave, he wants to be buried there. And so he tells his sons, I'm going to die. When I die, take me to that cave. Because you know where they are now. We've seen this over the last few weeks together. They are in the land of Egypt. And at this point in the story, they've been in the land of Egypt for some time. Jacob doesn't want to be buried in the land of Egypt because Egypt is not home. Egypt's not where the Hebrew people ultimately, ultimately belong. He wants to go back to Canaan. And so he breathes his last breath and he dies. 
And, 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 and Joseph asked permission of the Pharaoh to be able to take his father's body back to that cave in the land of Canaan. And, and you read through the verses in the beginning part of chapter 50, and it's a, it's a lot of pomp and circumstance. I mean, it's almost like uh, when a president dies. You know, when a president dies here in the United States, uh, uh, that there's a big to-do about it, and he uh, lies in state in the Capitol building, and there's, you know, all this stuff that goes on or surrounding that death. In, in some ways, it, it seems like that's what takes place in these first few verses of chapter 50. You have this big funeral procession. It, it says that, that Joseph embalms his uh, father's body, and, and they, they, they weep over him and mourn for, for seven, 70 days and they make a procession back to, to, to the land of Canaan and it's just not Jake, or excuse me, Joseph and his brothers who go. I mean, it's, it's them, it's their family, it's, it's Egyptians. The whole nation of Egypt mourns over the loss of Jacob and you can understand why. They mourn over the loss of Jacob because of Joseph. Joseph had been so influential in that nation. He had saved the people of that nation. I mean, they owe him a lot of gratitude. And so when Joseph's father dies, they mourn the death of his father. Now, it's interesting to me. Look at what it says. You come down to verse 9. Horses and chariots went up with them. I love what Moses says here. He says at the end of verse 9, it was a very impressive procession. Right? It's a big deal. Moses wants us to know. I mean, this is not some, you know, small family gathering around a graveside. There, there, this is a big deal. Horses and chariots accompany the body of Jacob all the way back to the land of Canaan. And this is what happens. Jacob's sons, verse 12, did for him what he had commanded them. They carried him to the land of Canaan and buried him in the cave of Machpelah. He's dead. And now, Joseph's brothers. The big question in their minds is, now what's going to happen? Because if you think about it, now I know you've been in this story like I have for some time. I mean, Jacob had his flaws. He, he was far from perfect. He, 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 he was a deceiver, a trickster, and all those kinds of things. He constantly wrestled with God. But, but even though he had his flaws, he was the glue in the family. I mean, after all, he's the patriarch. He held the family together. And now that daddy's dead, what's going to happen? And these sons of Jacob, their minds begin to wonder, what is Joseph going to do to us now? Now that daddy's dead, daddy's not around to protect us from Joseph anymore. Now that daddy's dead, it is the perfect time for Joseph to to exercise his authority and to, to cast judgment on his brothers, to get some revenge. Now's the time that daddy's dead. Because now that daddy's dead, daddy's not going to influence Joseph to be kind to his brothers. And it's really interesting. We read it a moment ago, but what, 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 what the brothers do is they, I mean, they're so scared and so concerned that they, they send a messenger. They're not even willing to go into Joseph's presence. They send a messenger uh, to Joseph and, and, and they say to the messenger, say this to Joseph, that before daddy died, before daddy died, daddy said to forgive us. Before daddy died, daddy said to be kind to us. And so they send this message to Joseph. I mean, they're not even willing themselves to go into his presence. And, 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 and honestly, we don't even really know if they said it or not because we don't see that in the text. Maybe they made it up. I have no idea. Maybe J- Jacob did say it. I, I really don't know. But, but, but they send this messenger to Joseph. 
And this messenger says, hey, your brothers, they're back there crying, and they're, they're saying your daddy said that, you know, once he died, you would forgive them. And look, this is real interesting to me, though. Look at what it says. You come down, and, and this messenger is there before Joseph, and look what it says. Verse 17, say this to Joseph, please forgive your brother's transgressions and their sins, the suffering they caused you. Therefore, please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. And look what it says. This is real interesting to me. Joseph wept when their message came to him. Why? I mean, this this messenger is there and he's saying that your brothers, I mean, they want you to forgive them. and, And Joseph starts crying. Why did Joseph start crying? I think I know. Do you remember Genesis chapter 45? In Genesis chapter 45, Joseph was there before his brothers. And if you remember the story, that is that point in the story where he reveals his identity. For a long time, he hid his identity. He looked like an Egyptian and smelled like an Egyptian and acted like an Egyptian. And they just thought he was an Egyptian ruler. But then he revealed him, no, I, I, I'm not just an Egyptian ruler. I am your brother, Joseph. And remember the, the awe and the shock that came over them. And you remember what Joseph said. Guys, do not be afraid because God sent me ahead of you to save you. I'm not mad at you. In essence, Joseph says in chapter 45, I forgive you. But you know what? By the time we get to chapter 50, his brothers didn't believe it. Because forgiveness, if you think about it, forgiveness in the way that Joseph forgives his brothers is quite unbelievable. And when you think about all they had done to him, how they had plotted to kill him at first and then changed their minds and sold him into slavery instead where he lived as a slave for years and then was accused of sexual harassment and then thrown into a prison and taken away from his father for for decades. I mean, how do you forgive that? Because let's just be honest, you're not supposed to forgive that kind of stuff. I mean, if you think about the world that we live in, when, 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 when someone hurts you badly, The world tells you what? You're supposed to hold a grudge. You're supposed to get even. It's your right to be angry with that person. The world doesn't teach us to forgive. The world teaches the opposite. And so when we are able to exercise forgiveness, to give forgiveness, I mean, it is quite unbelievable. But here's Joseph. No. He's weeping. He's already forgiven them. They just can't believe it. And then they come into his presence. Look what happens. They, they finally come into his presence. His brothers came also to him, verse 18, bowed down before him and said, we are your slaves. But look at what it says. Joseph makes two statements that are pretty interesting. Verse 19, Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Listen to this. Am I in the place of God? Come on, guys. Revenge? Right? Judging you? Condemning you? I don't sit on the throne. I have no right to do that. God is on the throne. He is the one who administers justice according to his will. He is the one uh, that, that, that makes wrongs right according to his will. He's the one on the throne, not me. And just a reminder to you as well, when someone hurts you, just remember, you ain't on the throne. God's on the throne. And it's God's will. And it's God's duty. And it's God's responsibility to fight your battles. It's God's responsibility to bring justice. It's God's responsibility to make wrongs right. You see what I'm saying? Joseph says, I'm not the one on the throne. 
God is. And this other statement he makes, and you know this because it's one of the most famous verses in the whole Bible and certainly in the book of Genesis. You have planned evil against me. They did. They planned evil against him. They plotted to kill him, eventually sold him to slavery. Evil. But look at what he says. God planned it for good to bring about the present result, the survival of many people. Do you hear what Job's just been saying? You planned it for evil. I know. But you just don't know how good my God is. Because even though you planned it for evil against me, my God has brought good out of it. You are saved. You're not starving to death in Canaan because of what God has done through the evil that you did to me. Do you see? Joseph can forgive, right? And it's unbelievable. But Joseph can forgive. Watch this for two reasons. Why can Joseph forgive? Because of God's goodness. God had been good to him. If you think about the book of Genesis where we've been, right? I mean, God has been good throughout the book of Genesis. I mean, think about how God has put up with people in Genesis. I mean, back to Adam and Eve. I mean, he, he, even after they sinned, he blessed them by giving them children and promising Eve that someday one would come from her lineage that would crush the head of the serpent. God was good to Adam and Eve in spite of their rebellion. God was good to Noah because he was a sinner just like everybody else. But God rescued Noah out of the world and put him on a boat to save him from wrath, right? God was good to Abraham. Think about how many times Abraham messed up. He, he at one time, right, lied about who his wife was and told someone it was his sister. But God is good to Abraham and gives him second chances. God was good to Jacob. Jacob messes up all the time, but God continues to endure door with Jacob. God is good to Jacob. God was good with Judah. Remember what Judah did, that heinous act of of sleeping with his daughter-in-law because he thought she was a prostitute. God forgave that. I mean, when you read the book of Genesis over and over and over again, you can't walk away from Genesis without being convinced that God is good. Now, I tell you that to remind you this. If God is good, and if God is good to you, then who are you to not be good to other people? Even that person who's hurt you, even that person who's wronged you, because let's just think about it. You are not that good. I know none of us want to hear that. That's not why you came to church this morning to hear you weren't that good. Now, I'm sorry to burst your happy bubble this morning, but that's the reality, right? You're not that good. You are sinful to your core. And left to yourself and your own devices, you will choose rebellion against God every single time. But God is good. And in spite of who you are, he has chosen to love you and to forgive you graciously. Now, who are you? Knowing that God has not withheld his goodness towards you, who are you to withhold goodness towards somebody else? Or think about this. You can forgive because of God's goodness, but you can also forgive because of God's promise. Let me show you what happens in the story. Jacob died, and where did Jacob want to go? Egypt. No, not Egypt. He was in Egypt. He wanted to go to Canaan. Now, Joseph dies, and where does Joseph want to go? Canaan. Look, look at what it says. You come down, and you, you look at verse 22. Joseph and his father's family remain in Egypt. Joseph lived 110 years. He saw Ephraim's sons through the third generation. The sons of Manasseh's son, Machar, were recognized by Joseph. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will certainly come to your aid and bring you up from this land 
and to the land he swore to, to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So Joseph made the sons of Israel take an oath. When God comes up to your aid, which will be during the time of Moses, you are to carry my bones up from here. Let me tell you why this is so significant. Joseph knew the same thing that Jacob, his father, knew. Egypt was not the end of his story. Joseph knew not only was Egypt not the end of his story, he also knew that the hurt caused to him by his brothers was not the end of his story. Watch, watch, so good. Egypt was temporary. God was at work in Joseph's life in Egypt. But not only was Egypt temporary, the pain was temporary. The hurt was temporary because there would come a day when Joseph would die, just like all of us who die in faith, and he would be in the presence of an everlasting, eternal God where there is no hurt or pain. You see what I'm saying? My friend, you can forgive because you know God's been good to you, but you can also forgive because you know God's promise. I know it. I know it because I've been there where you are. I know people have hurt you. I, I know you, you've, you've experienced the pain of, and scorn from others. I, I know all that, but all of that is temporary in comparison to what God has for you. You can always rest in the promise of God that no matter how bad someone has hurt you, it doesn't change for a moment the eternal destiny that God has for you. You can always rest in God's promise. And because you rest in God's promise, you can offer forgiveness because listen, no matter how badly someone hurt, and you, some of you need to hear this desperately this morning, no matter how badly someone hurts you, ultimately you cannot lose. You hear me? You can't. Because God is always for his people. And, and God will always bring you safely home to himself. That hurt someone caused you, it doesn't change that. Do you see? Joseph could forgive because of God's promise. And Joseph could forgive because of God's goodness. And that, my friend, seems to his brothers quite unbelievable. And to a lost and dying world, when you exercise forgiveness in this way, when you're able to say to someone, I forgive you in spite of what you've done to me, because God's been good to me, and because of what God has promised me, that's quite unbelievable as well, isn't it? I was... Um, reading an article this week about a man who lives in the Charlotte area. He's one of our veterans. He served his armed forces. And he and his wife, uh, they have the same routine every single week. Every Friday night, they go down to the, the local Chinese buffet and they, they have their Chinese meal and, and go home. And, and if you go to a Chinese buffet, you usually know how that meal ends. Well, it ends a lot of different ways typically. But, you, but oftentimes that meal will end with a ticket, right? A, a, a check that you have to pay. And with that check, what do they often bring you? A fortune cookie, right? And so you get your fortune cookie, you open it up, you read it, you laugh about it, and you go home. So, so, so this man, he's been doing this every Friday night. He, he got his fortune cookie, he opened up, and he, he saved that fortune. And, 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 and then he went down to the store, and he purchased a lottery ticket. Now, I don't know exactly how lottery tickets work, because I haven't, per, I mean, if you've purchased them, don't, don't tell me about it, but he, but, but he went to the, he went down to the store, and he, he the, the numbers, now watch this, the numbers that were on his fortune cookie piece of paper, he played on his lottery ticket. It's usually not a good idea. Pick some better numbers. I mean, fortune cookies aren't that fortunate. But, but, but listen, on this particular day, those were the numbers. He won off the numbers that he got in his fortune cookie, $4 million. Who wants to go to a Chinese buffet after church with me, right? 
So, so, so $4 million. Now, now listen, I'm, I'm not a wealthy man. Some of you may be wealthy. I have no idea. But, but so just imagine for a moment, just imagine for a moment, someone of, of wealth dries up, right? He gets out of his brand new Mercedes convertible, top down, all those kinds of things. And you're impressed because he's obviously a man of stature and wealth. And you look and say, man, what have you done? What have you done to, to make so much money in your life? Are you, are you a successful businessman? Did you, did you inherit it? I mean, what'd you do? And if that man said to you, well, I played the numbers in my fortune cookie at a lottery and I won it, you would say what? No, that's unbelievable, right? And, and that's the point I want to make to you. Forgiveness sometimes is unbelievable. That, 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 that you would actually forgive someone who's hurt you tremendously is sometimes unbelievable because that's not what the world teaches us. But you can do it. You can offer that seemingly unbelievable gift of grace because of God's goodness to you and because of God's promise to you. Are you with me? But let me answer the second question. Let's get real practical, right? The second question is, how can I forgive people who hurt me? You can do it because of the spirit of God that lives within you, because of his goodness to you, because of the promises he's made to you. You can do it, but how? Because let's be honest. I bet you there are some of us in this room, we've uttered those words, I forgive you, but we didn't really mean it. It's hard. So, so some of you remember back in time, if, if, you're, if you're under 43, uh, you might not remember these days, but if you're over 43 like I am, um, uh, 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 you might remember these days. Back when I was, was nine or 10 years old, um, back in the 80s, uh, the, the latest rage at that time was not the Apple Watch, that had not been invented yet, but swatches. Oh yeah, you remember swatches? So, so the way swatches worked, right? If your parents really loved you, they would buy you a swatch. If they really, really, really loved you, they'd buy you multiple swatches. Because you remember those kids at school that had five or six swatches on their arms. Now, they set them to the different times around the world, I guess. I have no idea. But they would wear five or six swatches. I actually got a picture. Now, this isn't the one, the actual one. But my mom and dad, they loved me. And so they bought me a swatch. And this was the swatch they bought me. Now, that's not that. I found that picture on, on Google, but it looked just like that. And you remember the swatch guards? You would get that swatch guard and put it on there. And, and I mean, that, that, that swatch, I mean, it was a status symbol. If you had a swatch, you were somebody. And as a 10-year-old, I was somebody. I had a swatch, right? I lost my swatch. <laughs> I know, it was heartbreaking. And I, and I remember, remember, you know, telling my mom, you know, one afternoon, Mom, I can't find my swatch. I, I lost my swatch. You know, I mean, in those days, I mean, um, I don't know how much a swatch was, you know, um, 100 bucks, whatever the case may be, but you take inflation into account, $1.4 million for a swatch. I mean, they were pretty expensive, you know, and, and so, so I lost my swatch, and I told my mom, and she was obviously upset that I had lost this prized possession that she had bought me, and, and so, so she made me go to my room and tear my room apart looking for it. Look, take everything out of your closet. I mean, you, you, and then once you don't find it, put everything back in, right? So, so just the whole process of you better find that thing, right? So I was in my room, angry, upset, all those kinds of things because I had to find my swatch that had gone missing. And my mom got a phone call from another lady. This, this, this woman, her son had been at my house the day before playing in my room. He took my swatch. I know. It was terrible. The thief took my swatch. And so, 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 so mom came and told me, hey, I know where your swatch is. I mean, I've been cleaning my room for hours, for nothing, for nothing. 
she told me, you know, this kid found this watch and he's going to bring it back to you. Now now watch this. She said, he's going to apologize to you and you're going to say, I forgive you. I didn't want to tell the kid I forgive you. I wanted to punch him in the stomach. I mean, I I had to clean my room for nothing. Do you understand? And I can remember, I can remember that, that kid coming to my house and he was carrying my swatch and me just, you know, just trying to hold it together. He gives me the swatch and, and look at him and, and saying the words, I forgive you. I didn't forget. I mean, I still don't like the kid. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he took my swatch. But, but we've all had those moments, haven't we? We've all had those moments where, where we have said the words, I forgive you we didn't mean it they were just words so how do we get to a place where we really forgive where we give this unbelievable gift of forgiveness where we say I don't hold it against you any longer in fact I want the best for you how do we get to that place let me give you give you this time we have just a few ways just real practical right one is always remember how much you have been forgiven okay I, I, I don't know if you know this or not but when Jesus went to the cross and died the death that you deserve, when he took the punishment for your sins upon himself, he didn't take the punishment for some of your sins, or even many of your sins, or most of your sins for that matter. When he died in your place, taking the punishment for your sins upon himself, he took the punishment for all of your sins upon himself. Not 90% of them, not 95% of them, not 99.9% of them. All 100% of your sins were placed on Christ and through his death and ultimately his resurrection, you have been forgiven of all of your sins. There's not one sin that you've committed that God looks at and says, nope, you cross the line with that one. I can't forgive that one. I'll forgive the rest of them, but not, no, 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 that's not the way it works. You've been forgiven of every single one of your sins. And if you think about it, remember now, I just told you earlier, you ain't that good. You got a lot of them. You probably committed a lot of them this morning on your way to church, right? Anybody drive with their family to church this morning? Come on, right? You know what it's like to be a sinner, but yet God has forgiven all of them, past, present, and future. So, So when someone hurts you, and you're having a hard time forgiving them, remember how much you've been forgiven, right? Also, confess your anger and bitterness. Because this, I believe, is what oftentimes keeps us from extending that forgiveness. We just get so angry and bitter. And I can't, I can't talk to him right now. I can't talk to her right now. I mean, I'm just so hurt and, and you don't know what she's done to me. You don't know what he's done to me. And, and you just let that stuff simmer inside of you. And it's a poison to your soul. And again, some of you in this room this morning, it's been years since you've talked to particular people because of what they did to you years ago. And the reality is some of you don't even remember what they did. You just know you're mad. And that bitterness... And that anger has taken over inside of you. If you're going to forgive, you've got to start with you and confess that to the Lord. And just be honest, Lord, this, this, is, this is keeping me. I'm so angry. I'm so hurt. I'm so bitter. Please help me. 
Help me to see that person with your eyes, with grace, instead of with the eyes of bitterness and anger. And so part of it is confessing that bitterness and anger that you're holding on to. But also think about this. Oh, this is good. Live as a dead man. Let me tell you what I mean by that. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul says this. Listen, I've been crucified with Christ. Therefore, I no longer live, but Christ Jesus lives in me. Crucified. I've been crucified. I'm, I'm dead. My desires, my way of life, the things I want, the things I think I need, I'm dead. Because here's what happens. When someone hurts you, what you tend to say or tend to think maybe is, is I have a right. I have a right to be angry. I have a right to seek revenge. I have a right to hurt. You don't know what's been done to me. I have a right. Can I just tell you something with as much love as possible? No, you don't. No, not if you're a follower of Jesus because you died to yourself. The only rights that you have are the rights that Christ Jesus has given to you. And he has, now watch this, he's given you the right and the responsibility to forgive instead of holding on to hurt. Don't say I've got a right. No, 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 no. Not if you're a follower of Jesus, you died to that. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, Christ lives within me. It's his desires, what he wants. And what he wants is for you to forgive right or think about this initiate the conversation because here's the reality too there are some people who've hurt you that just the fact of the matter is they're not going to call you up someday and say hey i need to apologize for they're just not the truth of the matter is there, there's some people who've hurt you that they don't even know they've hurt you but you're holding on to it maybe it was at work a couple weeks ago someone said something to you in jest they thought it was a joke, but it wasn't too funny to you. You've been mad at them ever since. They don't know they hurt you, but yet you're holding on to that hurt. And just be able to initiate a conversation and call someone and say, hey, you may remember this, you may not remember this, but, but weeks ago, years ago, you really hurt me when you did this. And I just want to say, I forgive you for that. And I love you, and I, and I hope we can continue on in our friendship. Sometimes you need to be, really all the time, you need to be the, the bigger person right? And take responsibility for the relationships that God has given you. And sometimes that means initiating the conversation. You see, let me show you something else. Don't always expect things to go back to normal, right? Saying those words, I forgive you, doesn't always make things better instantaneously because you know this like I do. And now you need to come in close and listen for just a moment so you don't miss, miss what I'm going to say. Reconciliation takes time. And a lot of times, forgiveness, it is just the first step in a process of reconciliation because what reconciliation requires is what? Two people working together to make it right. You might offer forgiveness to somebody and when you offer forgiveness, you're saying to that person, I forgive you. I don't hold it against you anymore. I'm not gonna be angry at you. I'm not gonna be bitter towards you. I forgive you, right? And I want the best for you. I'm praying for God's best for you. That's forgiveness, right? So, so that you can do that without the other person wanting to reconcile that relationship. But reconciliation takes two people. And so sometimes saying those words, I forgive you, might not take it back to what it was. And sometimes it doesn't need to go back to what it was because some of you have been hurt by someone you loved and it was abusive. Can I just tell you, if you've been abused, I'm sorry. And I pray that God will heal your soul. But even in that case, you can offer forgiveness. You can say, I forgive you. 
and I want the best for you, but you don't put yourself back in a situation where it happens again. You see what I'm saying? Sometimes it doesn't need to go back to what it was. You see what I'm saying? Remaining at the same time gracious and compassionate because for that person who's hurt you, you really do want, if you're walking in forgiveness, you want to give them that gift of forgiveness and you want for them the best. You want to see Christ transform their hearts. You want to see them changed by the power of the Spirit. You see, so you remain gracious and compassionate. And, and, listen to me, you don't keep bringing up the past because we're really good at this, aren't we? Because sometimes what will happen is we'll say those words, won't we? I forgive you, but I'll never forget it. And when you say that phrase, I'll never forget it, you know what you just did? You negated the first few words, I forgive you. Because when you say, I'll never forget it, what you're communicating to that person is, I'm holding on. I ain't letting go of this. I'm going to keep that grudge and I'm going to bring it back up. And some of you have over and over and over again. You say you forgive, but you keep bringing it up in your relationship. Do you remember when? Oh, I can't get past it. You did this. It still hurts me. Aren't you thankful, friend, that the God of all creation doesn't look at you and say, I forgive you, but I never forget. No, no, in fact, he says something different. The book of Hebrews, right? Says that, that, that God, right, he cast our sins as far as the east is to the west and he remembers them no more. Now, I'm not the greatest theologian. I mean, I know I've been to seminary and all those kinds of things, but I still have a lot I'm learning about God and who he is. But here's what I do know about God. He is all-knowing. It's impossible for him to forget anything. If God forgot stuff, he's not God. Because God, by very definition of who he is, he is an all-knowing God. He knows everything. He sees everything, past, present, and future. So can I just tell you, he's not literally forgotten those sins you've committed. But it's better. He treats you as if it never happened. That's the forgiveness of God. He doesn't keep bringing it up and throwing it in your face. He helps you in his grace to move on and become somebody different and better for the sake of the kingdom and the glory of Jesus Christ, you see? And so forgiveness, when you forgive, you're you're gonna offer that gift. I I forgive you. I I want the best for you. Again, it's gonna be different in every relationship, what that looks like in reconciliation, but you, you are saying, I'm not gonna keep bringing it up. It's done. I'm not gonna keep reminding you how much you hurt me. Think about this. Ultimately, you're gonna put the relationship in God's hands. You're going to seek his wisdom. You're going to offer that forgiveness. You're going to say to God, what do you want me to do next? How do you want me to be a blessing to the person that hurt me? How can I minister to the person that hurt me? And just ask God for wisdom and how to do that. You see, that's how. Those are some practical steps that you can take to offer forgiveness to someone else. Why can you forgive? Because God's been good to you. Because of his promise. And, and, and let me just remind you, as we're closing our time together, if your focus is on him, Joseph's focus was, was not on his brothers. It was on the promise, what was to come. And if your focus is on the best, what is to come, the glory of Jesus Christ, if your focus is on that, the best that God has for you, his son, Jesus Christ, then you can always give others your best. Forgiveness. But when your focus is on the hurt and the pain and what someone has done to you, you're always going to give people your worst. You're going to lash out, anger, more hurt. You see what I'm saying? And so for some of us this morning, for for those of us who are struggling with forgiveness in this room, and for some of us, it's just looking up. 
It's looking up and seeing that God has given us in Christ Jesus, our Lord, his absolute best. And he's given us the gift of forgiveness. And so what that means for us, since we know he's given us his best, that we now give others our best. And for some of us in this room, what it means is there's a phone call that needs to be made this afternoon. There's a coffee appointment that needs to be made for later on this week. There's a coworker you need to grab at the office and say, hey, can we talk for just a minute? Because I'm just telling you from, from life experience, right, and you can testify to this as well, the longer you let that unforgiving heart go unchecked, the more miserable you will be. Because it doesn't just affect that person who hurts you, it affects you. And it affects your relationship with God. Because if you're not willing to forgive, you're not living in obedience to God. Do you see what I'm saying? And that bitterness will continue to grow and grow. And what will happen is your heart will harden to the work that God wants to do in you. That's why this is important. Today, that you take those steps that you know. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. You know this. You know how God wants you to respond. You're going to walk in obedience or not? Come on now. You're going to honor him or not? To honor him and walk in obedience, it might be a tough step, but it's the right step and God will honor that step. To not walk in that step of obedience is to dishonor the Lord and to continue to see your own heart grow in misery and bitterness and hardness towards the things of God. So I don't know how God is leading you to respond in these moments, but you do. And you can probably think of that person right now that you need to have that conversation with. Or maybe you're on the other side of it. You've done their hurt. And maybe you need to run to somebody and say, hey, I know I did this years ago. I'm sorry. Forgive me. However God leads you, you respond in obedience. Maybe you're in this room this morning, you're watching online, and you need to experience for the first time the gift of forgiveness. The God of all creation loved you so much that he gave his son Jesus who lived a perfect life and never sinned and went to a cross and died the death that you deserved, taking the punishment for your sins upon himself and rose from the dead three days later so all of your sins can be forgiven and you can be given the gift of life, abundant and eternal, a life full of joy. And maybe this morning for the first time, there's someone watching online or in this room who needs to experience a relationship with Jesus by confessing your sins to him and turning to him by faith and surrender. In the corners of this room, there are two crosses. If you this morning want to place your faith in Christ for the very first time and experience his gift of forgiveness, as we sing together, get up. Go to one of those crosses. There'll be somebody there who's ready to pray with you and talk with you and help you today begin a relationship with Jesus. If you're watching online, you're gonna see a number up here on your screen. Text the name Jesus to that number and then very soon, one of us from our church will talk to you you today begin a relationship with Jesus but today let today be your day of finding forgiveness in Christ finding salvation in him let's pray together father thank you for this morning for time in your word thank you for your goodness to us father as we um, just consider your truth this morning I pray now that we respond I know father that in this room there are a lot of us they're carrying a lot of hurt around it's time to let it go it's time to take that step of faith Make that phone call, sit down with that person and have that honest conversation. And whatever the outcome of that conversation will be, we will know that we've honored you by doing what you've asked us to do. Father, there's some in this room who've been the cause of hurt. Years ago, we did something to our spouse and we never sought his forgiveness or her forgiveness. 
We said something at work last week that we know stung someone. Father, help us to go and to seek forgiveness. To say, hey, I'm, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Father, if there's one in this room this morning who has never experienced the forgiveness of Jesus, I pray today that that person today would know that you're a God who loves and extends mercy. And I pray today that person would find peace in a relationship with the one who died for him, for her, and rose again. So Father, here we are, your people. We're going to respond to you now in obedience. We're going to respond in the name of Jesus. Amen. Go ahead and stand up. You come now as the Lord leads you as we have a time of invitation together.